be with you this morning and uh, so thankful uh, to hear uh, the amazing uh, God at work in each and every life. Uh, speaking of, of uh, Micah saying not everything fit in place this morning, I had updated uh, the PowerPoint on Google Drive, but somehow it didn't show up here. So uh, I'm sorry there's no PowerPoint this morning. So if you can uh, kindly open up your Bible and uh, look at uh, James chapter 1 from verse 19 through 21. That's uh, the scripture that we will be focusing on this morning. Thank you so much uh, for your uh, prayers and your partnership in the gospel as we continue to equip and empower indigenous leaders to take the gospel to the most unreached and unengaged people groups of uh, India. Uh, last few weeks I've been traveling, speaking at different places, and uh, uh, the coming weeks uh, I'll be traveling a little bit and then to India. So I'll uh, see you in a little over a month. Uh, it uh, happens so that I'm here every week uh, that you have stories of grace. So it kind of encouraged me to take uh, the way, you know, the stories of grace that I hear from you and uh, to share it uh, in my you know, or think about it when I'm traveling and stuff. Thank you so much for your partnership. So as we look at this uh, text, uh, it appears to be simple and uh, straightforward, almost like a parental advice. However, putting those into practice is very challenging. As you might have already observed, James is uh, highlighting the necessity for all of us Christ followers to act in accordance with our faith. All of us can recall times when we were slow to hear, quick to speak, and let out our emotions on impulses or impulse as we feel victimized in a world that we live. And at times it seems to be a normal way to behave those ways as we have uh, too many outlets on our fingertips to let out those emotions. And we live in an age of information explosion. Uh, it is expected to have close to 3 billion email users worldwide by the end of 2019, with each user having an on average 1.8 accounts with over 100 billion emails sent each day. Gmail alone has 1.2 billion users worldwide. And there are 6 trillion text messages sent in 2017. 6 trillion. I don't even want to get into the statistics of various social media platforms available these days. But to make, make it a point that we are all wired together like no other time in the history. Yet, as, my, uh, as uh, Leonardo da Vinci once said, we look without seeing, we listen without hearing, and we speak without understanding. You know, as I was uh, thinking about this, you know, during our time in India, around this time last year, we took a trip with the family during the entire month of February, and it was uh, at times a bit discouraging for Sue and I as we tried to engage our boys to at least uh, you know, be involved in what is happening in the regions that we serve. While we 
do not expect uh, any of our children to follow our lead to do the mission work. Uh, we always pray earnestly that they would love the Lord with all their hearts and have a heart of compassion and serve the needy in some capacity. So as we traveled, uh, we kept reminding them to look closely to understand what children at their age is going through, where they live, what they eat, what they wear, and tell us what they have observed. While I'm sure that uh, the trip impacted them in some ways, uh, often they were looking for opportunities to have more fun or wanting to get back to the U.S. quickly, which is their place of comfort. But when I started to think about it, I was reminded that I too miss that mark very often. In the busyness of life, in pursuit of bigger and better things or with greater motives, I tend to look without seeing the real issues that are around me. Often listen without hearing, and so you can watch that. <laughs> Spending much of my time thinking about the responses to an argument made, and because of that, I'm, I speak without understanding the real issue. And I'm sure you are all have been on the same boat. That's where the book of James becomes incredibly relevant in the world that we live. This epistle written 2,000 years ago to beleaguered, scattered, oppressed Jewish believers who were just barely hanging on to their faith speaks to us with amazing clarity in the 21st century. What Chuck Swindoll calls a bit like the Old Testament book of Proverbs dressed up in New Testament clothes. In this little book, James wants us to discover the freedom that comes when we respond the right way to the everyday struggles and trials of life. Because friends, our actions mirror the faith we proclaim. What we are on the inside matters more than what happens on the outside. And I say it with conv conviction that it reflects how we respond to life's trials, how we treat others, especially the ones who are less fortunate and vulnerable. With that said, let us look at the text. Verse 19 on, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is planted in you which can save you. So five things that we see in that verse. Number one, we must be quick to listen. And number two, slow to speak. Number three, slow to anger. Number four, removing the moral filth. And number five, pursuing humility or meekness. So let's uh, look at what, what does it mean to being quick to listen. We always hear a lot about how important it is to develop listening as one of our life skills. But I must confess that I often find it difficult. I don't always find it easy to focus on a conversation. 
Yet James says that we need to be swift to hear. We need to develop the ability to be good listeners. Listening doesn't just mean waiting your turn to speak. Wisdom begins when we listen more and talk less. In context, the sort of listening starts by paying attention to what God has said in his word. So if you look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. A lot of people that think that faith comes from God's word, and that's not the full story. According to Paul, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In other words, faith comes from our ability to hear what the word of God is saying to us. Unlike those, those uh, first century believers who were scattered all across the land without a written word, we in America are so blessed with the word of God available all around us. For those who are looking for an app for anything and everything, there are hundreds of Bible apps that you find which you can read and to listen to. While modern technology has made it so easy for us to hear the word, we hardly hear it. And we are so easily distracted by all the other apps on our fingertips that keeps us away from being still and being able to listen the still and the gentle voice of God through his word. Which brings us to the second point we also be ought to slow to speak. When James says, be slow to speak, he's talking about our tendency to speak when we are angry and frustrated, and he's giving us guidelines on how and when we should speak. The verse by no means says that we should not speak at all. We have a God-given responsibility to speak up and to express our thoughts, our insights and interests and complaints, but wisely and carefully. But we must be, spe- we, we must be willing to speak after listening. Being hasty in uttering our mind will bring forth sin and righteous- unrighteousness and will be a destroyer of relationships. So righteousness, righteous wisdom, calls us to slow down and be careful about the words we use. Wisdom calls us to speak up after putting much thought to the matters that does need to hear our voice. We must be the voice of the vulnerable. We must be the voice of the widow and the fatherless. We must speak up and defend what it means to be a Christ follower when you see principles and objectives that are leveled against the counter-cultural kingdom principles in a world that we live. But we do all that in righteous wisdom and in gentleness. Right words at the right time minister God's grace to others. Thirdly, we must be slow to anger. We live in an anger-driven society. When we look and hear about the substance and the alcohol abuse, the violence and the suicide, 
the one emotion that tends to drive them to that point is anger. When you experience anger, it appears to be rational until you calm down and think about it. James is not saying that you should not get angry. That's unrealistic, at least for me. We are all going to get angry from time to time. The word translated anger actually refers to, to deep-seated rage. It doesn't refer to a passing moment of displeasure, which is soon gone and forgotten. Deep-seated anger leads us to jealousy, unforgiving words, and it can even lead to murder. Deep-seated anger can never produce a life that is pleasing to God. Often we get angry when we hear about the corruption among the politicians. We hear, when we hear criminals getting away with their crimes, foolish judgments made by those who are in the authority, acts of violence against the innocent and the vulnerable, and so forth. And it is easy to let those sentiments build up inside to a point where there is a simmering anger deep inside growing. And it is there because deep inside us, we have a strong desire to see justice. But Bible's answer to this kind of anger is faith. If you look at Psalm 37 from verse 1 through 4, it says, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like for they are like grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That word fret means to burn with anger. And God says, don't do it. Do not fret. Don't concern yourself with what people who are getting away with it. Don't let yourself fret about it. Ultimately, the word says, they won't get away with it. They will be cut down like grass. In other words, there will be a day of judgment. But you can only understand this if you have the eyes of faith. Because faith is essential when you see injustice all around us. So we can be angry for the right reasons. Because most of the time, anger is often viewed as a complete negative emotion. There are times a person can be angry for appropriate reason too. For example, Jesus clearly displayed anger during his earthly life. Jesus displayed anger at the religious teachers while healing a crippled on a, on, on a Sabbath day, as you look at Mark chapter 2, you will see that. Then as you, you know, actually when you flip back to Mark chapter 1, we find Jesus sternly charging the leper whom he had just healed not to tell anyone. And then you turn a few more pages down to Mark 10, we find Jesus angry at his disciples as they tried to send away the little children who was coming to him. And of course, we all know the action-packed scene of Jesus driving out merchants and money, money changers 
money exchangers from the temple in Mark chapter 11. All shows Jesus displaying the emotion of anger. However, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 tells us that Jesus was angry at times, yet he was without sin. In the case of Jesus, his anger was the result of the ungodly attitudes and actions by those who were around him. So what I'm trying to say is that we too can get angry if the anger reflects the anger of Christ. So in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 it says, If you anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So our anger, anger must be properly motivated. Like Jesus, we can be angry when you see religious hypocrisy. When you see injustice toward the vulnerable and the oppressed. But we must also take notice that the anger of Jesus did not result in a long-term grudge. His anger was an emotion that resulted in proper actions. And he calls you to do the same when you get angry. Because anger that is left unchecked or wrongly motivated can result in a long-term unforgiveness that will take away the joy of being a Christ follower. And finally, get rid of moral filth and plant yourself in the word. What are the moral filth? Colossians chapter 3 verse 8, it says, But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as this, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And Galatians chapter 5 further explains the acts of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. How do we get rid of it? Word of God answers. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily tangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. How do we do that? First chapter, first Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Therefore rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Listen to this, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. We must const constantly getting rid of everything that hinder the joy in following our Redeemer, Christ. And the sin that easily entangles through daily repentance. Daily repentance is fundamental to grow in Christ in a sinful world that we live. Daily repentance helps us to identify where we fail and help us to realign our lives according to God's will. And daily repentance is like pulling out the weeds of sin so that we can make room for God's word to be planted in our hearts 
which enables us to understand what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So we have to extend the grace to others as God has extended his grace to us. We who have been showered with God's grace in Christ are to give to others the same outpouring of grace. We do for others what God in Christ has done for us. In other words, we must pursue the meekness of Christ. Jesus was the embodiment of meekness as he ministered in the power of God. And we must demonstrate meekness or gentleness or the fruit of the Spirit filled lives in a world that is watching us closely. As the writer of Proverbs says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city, uh, chapter 16, verse 32. In contrast, the individual who is not gentle is likened to a city that is broken into and without walls, chapter 25, verse 28. Gentleness, gentleness always uses its resources appropriately, unlike the out-of-control emotions that so often are destructive and have no place in your life as a believer. The meekness of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the grace of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the holiness of Christ, and the kindness of Christ made fill our hearts and drive out the evil, the lust, the greed, impatience, unbelief, critical spirit, and the deep-seated hatred and anger that holds us back. So when we are living in Christ, and when Christ is living in us, then by God's grace, we will be quick to hear, slow to speak, and being slow to anger. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Father, in the light of what we heard, help us to imitate your humility and have a heart of patience, forbearance, and genuine love for one another. May we be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, to be guided by your spirit, to grow in repentance, and abide in your word, and thus bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take a moment to respond and reflect.